Wine and Crime contains graphic and explicit content which may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Or German. <laughs> or sometimes German accents. You never know. For Gluten For no reason. Gluten yeah. free. <laughs> Gluten free is the best. <laughs> so um, stupid. Uh, I don't even remember how to say my name is in German. I literally just remember those little songs. Oh, <laughs> cute. Guten Tag. Guten Tag. Yeah. Guten Tag und wie geht's? Anyway, oh. I'm Kenyan. Ich bin Kenyan? Sure. I don't know. Sure. Call, call Christine. Call a priest. Yeah, call, call Christine. Call Christine's mom. <laughs> ich heiße Lucy. Oh. Lucy. Okay. I'm Amanda. <laughs> and also, we're just not doing anything German related Nothing. today. No. No. Don't I get your hopes up. I am occasionally inhabited by a spirit. Mm-hmm. And it happened today. Mm-hmm. Spirit. Spirit. And I just started doing our warm-up with a German accent for no reason. Mm-hmm. It's fine. It's fine. All right. Well, we have a very special fan pick this week brought to you by Sasha Anderson. Uh, and Sasha has selected the delicious topic of uh, bad bakeries. Y'all, you think of bakeries being fun. I like this one. Yeah. I had to pick a case with a pastry that I didn't like so that I wouldn't just salivate through the entire research process. I made the mistake of looking up photos of my bakery right before recording. and Bad. Bad idea. I'm really hungry. I'm so fucking Mm -hmm. hungry. I don't really like pastries or Dessert products or like really bread. I don't know. Like bread before a meal, I feel like is unnecessary. Okay. Except well, for, get out. Yeah, weird. That's Texas weird. Roadhouse bread, but only because of the butter. Okay. Hi, Ray. So it's just cinnamon. You do love cookies, <gasps> certain cookies. I love exactly one cookie, <laughs> <laughs> but I'll eat like eight of them. Yeah. One cookie, eight times. Mm-hmm. And I bought a bunch of said cookies in Louisville mm-hmm. this past weekend. That Please and thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> I love that place. Oh, I know. She good. She's so good. Put salt in your chocolate chip cookies, Always. people. Make them it's just salty. that easy. They're really Always. good. Salty. Mm-hmm. 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 All right. Well, let's get to our wine crime pairing for bad bakeries. You know, for such a wonderful topic, I had to pick Wink's wonderful white mm-hmm. blend. Oh, like Wonder Bread. Like Wonder Bread. Like how wonderful sugar is it is to eat pastries if you're not lucy it's wonderful it's wonderful (laughs) yes exactly so this is a really lovely like easy drinking table white from our friends over at wink wine club and i know you've heard us talk about wink a million times but guess what I'm going to do it again. Because it's really a good service. It really is 
a great service. They deliver wine to your door. When you become a member, they start to like anticipate your needs. I have a very set it and forget it style with Wink because Mm -hmm. they send me a box every month and it's always perfect. Yeah. I always like everything that they choose for me. Sometimes I'll like remember and I'll, I'll, you know, stock up on a few bottles mm-hmm. that I like particularly love. But right, like if something comes I'm back like, into into stock that I love, then I'll like load up. Surprise me! Exactly, mm-hmm. it's amazing. And when you get a membership to Wink Wine Club, you get like special member pricing, which I love. But we are still running that incredible special at trywink.com forward slash wine and crime special, mm-hmm. where you get four bottles for twenty nine ninety five and free shipping. It's an amazing deal, folks. And I also love with Wink because I have the monthly subscription and I love that I never run out of wine. Uh Uh-huh. Like I never have to. If people are coming over or if I'm going to someone's house, I need to bring a gift. Like I never, I'm never at a loss. I quite literally have a wine basket in my kitchen and it (laughs) is a massive, I can't like wrap my arms around it. (laughs) That's proper wine storage. Yeah, yes. just piled on top of each other. Mm-hmm. The last time I came over, I was like, "Can I bring anything? Can I bring a bottle of wine?" And you were like, "Ah, oh, bitch, no. no." I sent a picture of the wine basket, <laughs> and my bar downstairs is also full. Yeah. Oh yeah. So it's not like that's o- that's overflow. Mm-hmm. But that's usually where I'll store my if I've like doubled up or tripled up mm-hmm. on wink wines that I like. I'll do exactly what you do, Kenyon. I put it in the wine basket, and then I have a just out the door gift. Yeah. Or while I'm cooking, it's like, oh, I bet blah, blah, blah would go really well with this, which mm-hmm. I never do. So while Bill's cooking, I'm like, oh, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. This would go well with this. So check it out. Like I said, trywink.com forward slash wine and crime special. But today we are drinking this wonderful white blend. This is a fruit forward white. It's got a lot of nice like lemon, honeysuckle. It also has that minerality, like that wet stone balance. It has a little bit of earthiness to it so that it like finishes nice and dry, but it's a really nice light bodied, like I keep saying, just easy drinking mm-hmm. white wine. And you know what? Life is hard enough. Yeah. Drink easy. Drink easy. In the words of LC, life's tough. Get a helmet. Yep. Because I just watched that episode of The Hills. Oh, my gosh. Do I need to rewatch The Hills? Throw back The Hills and throw back real world. Oh, no. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's I forgot how much I love the real world and how that was like the epitome of adulthood when I was 12 years old. I love the it. amount of times that I practiced in the mirror in the bedroom that I stayed in at my grandparents' house, my real world interview. Oh, intake your interview. audition. Also, I'm not here to make friends. Oh, it's, that's an adage. That's like a mantra. I'm going to yeah. need like archival video of Kenyan practicing. I want that as well, but yeah. it sadly it probably does, does not exist. exist. We anyway, can recreate it. We can. So this is a blend of three different white varietals, Claret, Grenache Blanc, and Viognier. They're all sourced from southern France, which is super fun. It's aged in stainless steel, so it's not going to have, like, any oak. It's just what you're getting is purely the flavors from the grapes. Absolutely gorgeous. Like I said, it has those melon, citrus, and white flower notes. Easy drinking. It's 12.9% ABV. I mean, it's just all around. It sounds like wonderful. a pastry. Yeah, it really you does. It's like a bunch of fruit and white flour. Yeah, that's a it's pastry. It's like the perfect cro- cro- croissant. Mm-hmm. Croissant. <laughs> 
She is a popper, and I did not put lotion on right before this. That which is not sarcastic. I actually didn't. But though now that I have said I did not put on lotion, my hands immediately feel insanely dry. I just reached for some hand lotion so, as soon as you said yeah, that. Yeah, now that's all I'm going to be able to think about for the next two hours. Great. All right, are we ready for that pop? Mm-hmm. Ready. Here we go. Maybe. Oh, squeaky, squeaky pop. Hello, squeaker on her. Wonderful pop. Hello, squeaker. <laughs> well, oh. cheers. Cheers, loves. Cheers. Oh, got my Sokol blaster glass. Yum. Oh, nice. Those oh, are my cute. God. The Those nose on this beauty, let me tell you. Mm. All right. Well, Lucy, what is our background and probably not psych for bad bakeries? What if it was all psych? Like, That'd what would you do? <laughs> oh, I should probably get out my jar. <laughs> nice. There's no psych. Mm. It's not to say I'm not going to go psycho while I'm reading this. It happens. Well, you know, I was going to write a whole lot about bread for my notes, but mm. I weeded too long to starter. Oh, no. And now I just can't rise to the occasion. Oh, no. I don't know why I loafed around, but now I'm toast. <laughs> oh, no. I've got nothing left, sir. Oh, no. I need some good bakery facts. Wow. So if you have any, holla at me. (laughs) Is this your entire section? Anyway. Get out. You're fired. You're fired. (laughs) It's been a really good run. Also, the amount of possible holla puns are so good. Yeah. I have two different holla on doormats. You do. I, I am, doormats. I just you do. I can't get enough. Oh my word. Okay. They don't really fill you up. Oh. <laughs> okay. This is too much. Oh, it's no. almost the end of my bread puns that I wrote into my notes. You're welcome. I see it. I was vacuuming. She's on a roll. Stop. I was on a roll. Stop. (laughs) No. Smooth like butter on a roll. Oh, my God. So I was vacuuming this morning and thinking about bread, and that's just what I came up with. Nice. I got up at 8.30 today. I got so much done. Yeah, I had. I got a lot. Yeah, I woke up kind of early. It was not that 8.30 is that early for normal people, but it's early for me. really early. Crack of dawn. Crack. (laughs) In Alaska. Up with the rooster crow. In November. Okay. So a bakery is a shop that sells products made from flour or meal, usually derived from some sort of grain. These products might include bread, rolls, cookies, pies, pastries, and muffins. Mm. Mm. Love a good muffin. Now that we know what a fucking bakery is. Don't forget scones. Yeah. I will scold you if you forget scones. Mm. (laughs) And scones. So bread is really mostly what I'll be talking about today. And this is from my lover, Encyclopedia Britannica. The earliest processing of cereal grains probably involved parching or dry roasting of collected grain seeds. Flavor, texture, and digestibility were later improved by cooking whole or broken grains with water, forming gruel or porridge. Gruel. Yeah. So, like, we've... We've we can we've heard of like gruel and porridge and all that curds and whey and I guess they're basically I didn't realize all realize that gruel is like a grain base. I guess I thought that porridge was grain based and gruel was somehow like a hodgepodge of wet meats. Oh no, it couldn't afford meat. 
Um, no, yeah. Just it's just whatever the fuck you have. Parts. Yeah, so like uh, there are a lot of different byproducts of like making bread, including beer. We'll get to it. Mm-hmm. But I just think that that's kind of interesting that we stumbled acro- upon all of these other edibles on our but journey aren't to bread. And whey dairy? It's that's cheese. Different. I know. Yeah, Curds okay. and whey are the cheese, but we recently okay. did the cheese crime, so I. It was in your brain. It was in my brain. We need okay. to have an MTV making the band style show, but it's called Making the Gruel, and we can get mm. gruel tutorials. Write that making one down. Making the sausage. <laughs> I'm, I'm on it. Write that. Yeah. Can you write it? that one for our next TV <laughs> pitch. Really good. Our write next TV down. pitch meeting, yeah. Making the Gruel. <laughs> With the wine down for later. We should have for Put these TV box. pitch meetings that go nowhere. <laughs> we should have a code word that we say to each other to know to just like really tank it. Just go off. Yeah. <laughs> Making the gruel. <laughs> Unleash Put it the gruel. In the box for later. I love making the gruel. Lock it in your mind. Someone's going to want that. That's valuable to somebody. Making the gruel. Oh, my God. Mark my words. If that shit pops up somewhere. The great gals Mark Twain my words. Mark Twain my words. I want my cut. Ick. Your slice. (laughs) My slice of gruel. (laughs) Okay. So, it was a short step to the baking of a layer of viscous gruel on a hot stone, producing a very primitive flatbread. Okay, that flat makes bread. sense. Uh, yeah. Cool. So, we're, we're, we're getting there. Yeah, yeah, this thing is disgusting. Maybe if I fry it, it'll mm-hmm. be better. That's always the or answer. Or at least just heat it on a yeah. hot stone. Right. Ugh, fry it, baby. More sophisticated versions of flatbread include the Mexican tortilla made of mm. processed corn and the chapati of India, usually made of wheat. Friggin' yum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Baking techniques improved with the development of an enclosed baking utensil and then of ovens. So an enclosed baking utensil, I'm pretty sure. Basically yeah, like a, a cast small iron oven. Doot, doot, that something you can stick on your wood stove or whatever. Something, yeah. yeah a little, a a little vessel. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Making possible thicker baked cakes or loaves. The phenomenon of fermentation, Mm. which should be, if it's not already, the title of a book. Mm -hmm. Uh, With the resultant lightening of the loaf structure and development of appealing flavors, which apparently hadn't existed yet. (laughs) Let me lighten your loaf. (laughs) Was probably first observed when doughs or gruels held for several hours before baking exhibited spoilage caused by yeast. Wow. Appealing. So like letting shit rise was like an accident and then they yeah, were like, oh, yeah. actually, this is dope. Yep. Dope. dope. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. Dr. Phil. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Some of the effects of the microbiologically induced changes were regarded as desirable. So, like, some of it didn't turn out great, but some of it was like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. I some of it probably this. killed people. Have you ever let something act like once we accidentally let chickpeas ferment? Oh, just because, no. like, we were young and stupid and didn't like do the dishes. And then, like, the <sighs> next day, it was mm-hmm. like, what the Foul. fuck? Yeah. <laughs> I, have you ever eaten old salsa? No. Like still in the jar? Or it's like. I'm a, I'm like a maniac about 
Is that, does that look like mold? Does that, I think, you know what? Just, just in case, throw it out. There yeah. wasn't mold. It was just old fermented salsa and it tastes a little bit like beer. It's like kind of like, f- like fizzy a little bit. I it's will like take your word for it. Yeah. It's like kombucha. Mm-hmm. Fuck that. Salsa kombucha. No, I can't. I like kombucha, but I can't handle the mother. I can't. I just won't go there. Mm -mm. Someone I used to work with at a food magazine that will remain unnamed was experimenting with kombucha. And when the mother of her latest project, like she was kind of done with it and it was sort of not great anymore. She like held a full funeral for it. Oh, okay. (laughs) Like buried it. That's a bit much. I don't like it. I liked it. I love a funeral. Oh, God. We know. Anyway. Okay, so some of these are regarded as desirable, and a gradual acquisition of control over the process led to traditional methods for making leavened bread loaves. Early baked products were made of mixed seeds with a predominance of barley, but wheat flour, because of its superior response to fermentation, eventually became the preferred cereal among the various cultural groups sufficiently advanced in culinary techniques to make leavened bread. Mm-hmm. So... We, we we started with barley, I pr- probably because of its abundance. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming because they used barley to, like, make other things. But then when the fermentation experiments began, they were like, actually, wheat flour makes more sense. Better bread. Yeah. Well, can barley also, is barley also preferable for, like, feeding livestock over wheat? Probably. So it has, like, that dual use. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that makes more sense. Gruel use. Gruel use. use. Mm-hmm. Early on, baking and beer making were very closely related because of that fermentation magic, Mm -hmm. as it were at the time. The gruel could really go either way. So like a thicker gruel was suitable for bread bread baking and a thinner mash, which is what Mm -hmm. it is when it's like thinner, produced a kind of beer or like sort of like a kombucha, like we were saying. Interesting. Eventually, people realized that wheat was best for baking while barley was better for brewing beer. And I'm assuming feeding livestock. I think barley was probably more multipurpose. Mm-hmm. They just had more of it. They just did more with it. Mm-hmm. Sure. Egyptians are credited with the first intentional use of leavening around 2600 BCE. They were so, so advanced. Ahead of the, ancient the game. Egyptians were fucking wild. I mean, yeah. they really were. Not great about the incest thing. Well, we all have our, you know, our quirks. Yeah. Our idiosyncrasies. <laughs> <laughs> but besides that, <laughs> really all, advanced. We all I have guess, our quirks. And the enslavement. Not great. Well, moving no, on. Of course not. As far as the incest thing, Can't we enjoy thing, though, anything anymore? As far as the incest <laughs> thing, so many people, like, died at a young age. Mm-hmm. Like, they probably Pickens didn't have a lot of, like, empirical data to prove that incest in the long run is not great. Oh, they do. You know I'm I mean? going to do this for a drunk dive soon. We'll get to it. Oh, Lord. Okay. Been listening okay. to a lot of audiobooks. I guess their civilization, I mean, it's a very long, they played the long game. Yeah. Anyway, looking forward to that drunk dive. Mm -hmm. So 
again, the Egyptians were experts on sourdough well before 2020, <laughs> despite what some may think. Oh, God. They figured out how to flavor different types of bread using things like poppy seed, sesame, and camphor. Yum. Which, by the way, in its natural, well, in its Isn't synthetic state is what's in, like, Vicks Vapor Rub. Yeah, that's mm. fine. It's like an anti-inflammatory. Minty. Minty. Yeah. So yeah. they use the natural camphor, which is from like tree bark in there. I just can't imagine that it tasted that great. Sure. You know, gotta, always got to try something once. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe that just speaks to how fucking gross like the like pure state of their bread tasted. It was something tasted. different. Something it was different. something different. That tastes a little different. <laughs> Their palates were just a little bit different. From different. <laughs> <laughs> so, when I was at the airport leaving Louisville and I like furiously, meaning excitably, texted you guys because waiting for our flight to Minneapolis, there was a woman behind me <laughs> who said... They were talking about their weekend or their visit to somewhere, and there she was like, it was a little different. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, we just talked about this. What uh, was she talking about? She went to va- some valley something or other, uh, the Monument Valley or something, okay. and and she seemed to really have enjoyed herself, but also said it was a little different. So, so just not something she experienced so far. Different it was all from a little different. Monument Valley and the Kettle Lakes of the Upper Midwest mm-hmm. are a little different. A little different. So uh, ancient Egyptians made about 50 different types of bread, and they also developed the first ovens. Wow. Cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In Rome, baking was basically a domestic chore. In the middle of the second century BCE, the women of the richer families got tired of tedious bread making. Mm. So they did what rich women do and outsourced that chore mm-hmm. to professional bakers, usually recently freed enslaved people. Mm-hmm. They used clay beehive-shaped ovens that were fired by wood. So these early ovens are basically what you think of when you think of like a like a backyard clay like pizza oven. Oh, okay. A green egg with like a spout on top and yeah. then it's like you know. Well, that's fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's different. I mean, they pretty much hit the nail on the head. It's not that's pretty much how we still do it. Right. It's an oven. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. The, f- the first mechanical dough mixer, loved this, was mm. developed by formerly enslaved Greek man Marcus Virgilius Eurasaches. Okay. <laughs> it was a large stone basin in which wooden paddles powered by a horse or a donkey walking in circles needed the dough mixture of flour, leaven, and water. Cool. Whoa. They just walked around and it it needed the dough, like yeah. huge, huge amounts of dough. Sure. I mean, sure, it's sure. basically just a kitchen aid. Mm-hmm. It's a huge donkey power a kitchen aid. A living kitchen aid. I love, I love it. it. <laughs> kitchen braid. Oh. Get it? She braids. Like a donkey braids. Right, 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 right. Oh. <laughs> we got there. Once he explained it. <laughs> Did, did, did you guys hear my joke? I'm not firing on all cylinders right now. <laughs> and the coffee is not even hoping. I don't no. know what it is. It's a perpetual state. It's fine. Yeah. 
Guilds formed by the Miller Bakers of Rome became institutionalized eventually during the second century CE under the Flavians. Mm. Flavians? Flavians. Flavian of love. I like that. <laughs> Flavian of love. <laughs> So they were organized into a college with work rules and regulations prescribed by government officials. Mm, Like they were serious about it. Mm -hmm. The trade eventually became obligatory and hereditary and the baker became a kind of civil servant with limited freedom of action. Oh, dear. It's like the last name Baker. Mm. Sorry to your ancestors because you were like literally, you had to be bakers. Mm. Yep. During the Middle Ages, these guilds became super-duper serious. They required several years of apprenticeship and journeymanship. Mm. I made that word up. Okay. Before they were accepted into these guilds. Mm-hmm. Because it took so da- they took it so damn seriously, it was during this time that bread became, like, really good. Gotcha. Rich people could afford white bread, but poor people ate rye bread mm. because the grains were cheaper. I like mm-hmm. rye bread better. It's more well, it, flavorful. It's also way more nutritious. Yeah. Like the poor people were eating like way more nutritious breads because mm-hmm. it had like chunks of stuff still in it. Right. And well, there's the, there's more sugar in the like mm-hmm. the, like the rich people bread. Yeah. Right. The rich people bread, like white bread today, was like kind of just fluff. Like a sweet the, treat. Right. But the rich people had access to like so many other foods, so they were getting their nutrients elsewhere. Whereas like poor people, bread made up like 80% yeah. of their fucking diet. Right. Right. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah. And th- I thought this was fascinating. It wasn't until about 1865 that the prices between white bread and rye bread evened out so that most people could afford either one. Interesting. Mm-hmm. 1865. Yeah, that's a long time to be mm-hmm. priced out of bread. Mm-hmm. I think so. So that's a little bit about the history of bread. And now I would like to address something a bit more current, and that is Subway bread. Oh, God. Oh, very excited to learn about this. But real yeah. quick, have either of you ever baked bread? No, uh, I don't like bread. Not really. I've made like banana bread, which does not count. No, I've made hollow Corey, once Corey during has the pandemic. A, Corey's got a biscuit recipe mm. that for people who like biscuits, they say it's very good. Mm-hmm. I like he biscuits. He does those for, for Thanksgiving. I like biscuits for will some he, different. Next time we come to Des Moines, will he make biscuits for yes, me for please. some different? Please, he please, could make please. some biscuits and gravy for breakfast. Oh, my yes. God, yes. I love this idea. He would be happy to do that. Okay. Okay, so this is from a 2020 article from The Guardian. The Irish Supreme Court has ruled that the bread served at Subway, mm-hmm. which is the U.S. chain that hawks giant sandwiches in 110 countries and territories. Mm-hmm. I like that we hawk giant sandwiches. I mean, it's very American. Mm-hmm. Could not, in fact, be defined as bread because of its high sugar content. Oh, my word. The ruling followed an appeal by Bookfinders Limited, Subway's Irish franchisee. The company had argued that the bread used in Subway sandwiches counted as a staple food and was consequently exempt from VAT tax, V-A-T. Wasn't there also like a rumor about it having like yoga mat? We'll get to it, honey. That was my main need it. You know, you try to go out there and make healthy choices. Yeah, and then you're eating a yoga mat. 
Yeah. All of a sudden, Before you know it, this is why exercise is too dangerous. Cake made out of yoga mat. Yeah. <laughs> However, as the court pointed out, Ireland's Value Added Tax Act of 1972 draws a distinction between staple foods such as bread, tea, coffee, cocoa, milk, and, quote, preparations or extracts of meat or eggs and more discretionary indulgences such as ice cream, chocolate pastries, crisps, popcorn, and roasted nuts. Mm. Very judgmental, but fine. Mm -hmm. I'll allow it. (laughs) (laughs) Painting with a wide brush, but whatever. (laughs) The clincher was the act's strict provision that the amount of sugar in bread, quote, shall not exceed 2% of the weight of flour included in the dough. Okay. Mm -hmm. Subway's bread, however, contains five times as much sugar. Cool. Or as the Supreme Court put it, in this case, there is no dispute that the bread supplied by Subway in its heated sandwiches has a sugar content of 10% of the weight of the flour included in the dough. What about the dear, not heated sandwiches? Dear God. Can we safely assume it's the same? Yeah. It's the I same don't dough. remember the last time I ate Subway. <laughs> it's probably uh, I had the it same at like Jimmy John's. <laughs> it's know? not the same. Sometimes I really want the sugary bread of Subway, uh, mm. like I did last week, and I got it, and it just scratched an itch. It just did. Don't at me. I the, admit. the appeal arose from a claim by Bookfinder Limited that, that they were owed a refund from January, February t- 2004 to November, December 2005 when they paid VAT at a composite at a composite rate of 9.2%. They argue that they should instead have been subjected to 0% VAT because they were saying it's it's fucking bread. Right. It's one of the necessary foodstuffs. This is a wild fucking lawsuit. This yeah. Is, very bizarre. This is wild that somebody was like, you know what? I want to just find a way, finagle a way to mm-hmm. get this amount more money which is probably a lot mm-hmm. i'm sure it adds up 9.2 percent of their yeah. import that's yeah. a lot right? that is a lot but mm-hmm. like the fact that someone thought to do this mm-hmm. i would have been like oh well it's bread yeah it's bread yeah that's but amazing m- but mr justice o'donnell was not persuaded and the appeal was dismissed wow. quote the argument depends on the acceptance of the prior contention that the subway heated sandwich i don't know why they keep calling it a heated sandwich i never get my sandwiches toasted no mm-hmm. maybe it's more common to do so in ireland it can be very cold and wet over there mm. chilly yeah mm-hmm. chilly that the subway heated sandwich contains bread as defined and therefore can be said to be food for the purposes of the second schedule rather than the confectionery mm-hmm. he ruled since that argument has been rejected this this subsidiary argument must fail in a this is my favorite part in a statement sent to the guardian a spokesperson for subway said quote subway's bread is of course Bread, end quote. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. And that person, that spokesperson is making more money per year than anyone we know. And that statement didn't really age well. (laughs) Is, of course, bread. (laughs) This ruling is not the first slice of controversy for the bread. Here we go. In 2014, Subway decided to start removing the flour whitening agent 
Oh, here we go. Styrofoam. Azodicarbonamide. Azo if you can pronounce it. it, you can eat it. Oh, Azodicarbonamide. No. That's from its the rule. Baked, from its baked goods after a petition circulated online. This ingredient is commonly used in the manufacturing of yoga mats and carpet underlay. I, the sponginess. Yeah. The sponginess. And has been banned by the European Union and Australia from use in food products. We so really just like fine. Americans like it's just so don't care. We're like, is it, is it good? Is <laughs> it carpet? It good? I'm not asking if it's carpet. I'm asking if it tastes good. We're all on our way out anyway. <laughs> yeah, I'm here for a good time, not a long time. <laughs> exactly. There is just like nothing that is safe to eat. Nothing. It would take. It would take. It would take so much time and effort. To just try to live safely. Mm-hmm. Not you even have clean. to go off the grid Shh, and be safely. one of those people. You have to farm. Live yeah. in the middle of nowhere and like homeschool their kids and like. We're wow. just constantly bombarded by like chemicals and hormones mm-hmm. and fucking carcinogens and Nothing sugar. is safe. Mm-hmm. Nothing and no one is safe. God, have a good day. (laughs) That's my case. Well, basically, so there you have it. Sometimes bread is bread and sometimes bread is kind of yoga mats. (laughs) And that is my segment. I hope I left you with some crumbs of knowledge. The bread is, of course, bread. Bread. <laughs> Jesus. Wow. All right. Well, let's hear a quick word from our sponsors, shall Jesus. we? Yes. Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> Beautiful. Let's, let's hope it's not a milk bar dessert ad. So the holidays are almost upon us. I'm terrified. Uh, <laughs> that means it's time to really lean in. We got to buckle down. We got to make it happen. And, you know, that doesn't just mean holiday shopping, it also means hugs. It also means secret family recipes. Oh. It also means seeing the looks on your loved ones' faces as they all unwrap their matching PJ sets at the same time. Oh, my God. I love... uh, My in-laws also have that Christmas Eve matching Mm -hmm. pajama set tradition. I love it. I also love it. And this year, MeUndies wants to help you bring comfort home for the holidays. This is your sign to surround your family and friends with comfort. And while you're at it, why not get a little something-something for yourself, too? Oh, my gosh. Last night, it was really chilly, and I pulled on my me undies, just, like, loungewear pants. Yeah. Oh, my God. I hadn't worn them since the spring when it was still chilly, because I just like to, cu- you know, cuddle up in them when yes. it's a little bit cooler. I forgot what I was missing out on all summer. I wear my donut onesie all year round. You know how I like to keep my bedroom like frozen tundra at night? So oh, it's Oh, yeah. You like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So with new classic plaid and holiday sweater prints, so cute, Me Undies mm-hmm. is turning up the comfort this holiday season. Their undies, loungewear, and sleepwear are made out of soft, breathable, super stretchy fabrics that are ideal for getting cozy by the fire with a cup of hot cocoa. Mm-hmm. Or like having Christmas Eve at your in-laws, watching yep. everyone open their gifts. It's so Re-eating great. Eating mashed potatoes and having room to fill your belly with meats. Oh my God. Uh, mm-hmm. So you could get yourself and your partner matching PJ sets or yep. even like matching plush robes and slippers. Ugh. 
They've got it all. Whatever you decide, everyone will be rolling into the new year comfier than before. Available in sizes extra small through 4XL, Me Undies has a little something for everyone on your list. And if you're looking for more inspiration, check out their holiday gift guide for all things cozy and comfy. Oh, that's so exciting. I love that. So Me Undies has a great offer for our listeners. For any first-time purchasers, you get 15% off and free shipping straight to your door. Your days of fighting for your life in the mall parking lot are over, people. Thank God. What a what a blessing. What a relief. So to get 15% off your first order and get free shipping and a 100% satisfaction guarantee, go to MeUndies.com slash gals, G-A-L-S. One more time, that's MeUndies.com slash gals. And treat your undergarments. Straight up. I know that not everybody listening lives in places with seasons, but if you live at a place with seasons, you know the leaves are falling off the trees. It's getting a little chillier outside. It's snuggle weather. It's comfort weather. We're in the fall and winter season, whether we want to admit it or not. And you deserve the luxury of the coziest, warmest, most comfortable sweaters available without any of the downsides. And Everlane's high-quality, sustainably-made sweaters will keep you cozy all winter and with options like 100% recycled cashmere. Oh, oh my God. Uh, I'm screaming on the inside. Uh, and also responsibly-sourced wool. You can feel good about getting comfy. I mean, it doesn't get much better than cashmere? Nope, sure doesn't. And I always thought that cashmere was reserved for, like, the ultra-wealthy. Yeah, the elite. The elite. Turns out, no, it's affordable at Everlane. Mm -hmm. Uh, They've got this grade A premium cashmere. It feels so soft, airy, like, weightless. Like, you actually feel like a member of the elite when you're wearing their cashmere. Mm Mm-hmm. So, cashmere is never out of style. Everlane's take on this cold weather staple is as durable as it is timeless. They use grade A cashmere sourced from Inner Mongolia to create durable sweaters that pill less and get softer every time you wear them. They only use the longest and finest fibers. Nothing's worse than bringing home like a really nice, soft, cute sweater and then you wash it once and it's never the same. Yep. We all know. We all know how mm-hmm. that feels. But Everlane's cashmere, it doesn't do that. It's absolutely amazing. Go to everlane.com forward slash gals and sign up for 10% off your first order plus free shipping and get easy returns within 30 days of your ship date. That's 10% off your first order when you go to everlane.com slash gals and sign up and treat your fashion. Trina. Okay, well, I went in a different direction. Oh, good. (laughs) I should hope so. All right. Before it became a gentrified hub of high-rise luxury condos and hipster coffee shops, Williamsburg, Brooklyn, was the home turf of the Italian mafia. Oh, nice. Traces of old-school Italian Williamsburg can still be seen today, as some of the businesses from back in the day have managed to survive the influx of new money and skyrocketing rents. Mm. And also my in-laws... Could have bought a loft in Williamsburg for like a hundred thousand dollars <laughs> in the late eighties, and they did not. And God, Kenny, damn it, Kenny, you blew it. Anyway, he 
he blew it on his sneakers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your your New Balances. I hope you're happy. I hope he has just <laughs> his a trove of New Balance, bunch of stock in New Balance. <laughs> <laughs> He's invested enough. <laughs> All right, so one such business is the Fortunato Brothers Bakery on Manhattan Avenue in Williamsburg, and I have been there, and it is actually quite delicious. Mm. And although several of these old Italian establishments have rumored mafia ties, in the case of this bakery, Fortunato, the rumors are definitely true, to quote Lizzo. All right. The owner of the bakery, Mario Fortunato, has been convicted on multiple charges for plotting the 1994 murder of a loan shark named Sabatini Lombardi. Fortunato is also an alleged associate of the Genovese crime family, the oldest and largest of the so-called five families that dominated, and many would say continue to dominate, organized crime in New York. So Fortunato is connected. These, I'm sorry, but these names always really make me want, like, salami mm-hmm. or, like, just spicy sliced deli meats. R- or cannoli from Fortunato Bakery. From Subway. What's mm-hmm. the meat sandwich? You don't get cannoli at Subway. No, no, no I don't think they offer that. The no. cold cut combo. That's what I want. Okay. There you go. So go get it. Just go eat a yoga mat. I... Not even kidding you. I had Jimmy John's for lunch, so I probably don't need Subway (laughs) now for my second lunch. (laughs) Well, there are going to be a lot of names, so get ready to be hungry. And I did draw a a map for myself to keep the names straight. We have it. Incredible. I texted it to both of you so you can follow. I'm going to spend the next few minutes ordering Postmates. Okay. Because I just realized how hungry I am. No. So you see Mario Fortunato... And bakery, mm-hmm. and then under the wings of the Genovese crime family on Got the it. on the chart. Mm-hmm. I see <laughs> under, it. You drew wings. I know. Mm-hmm. So I'm very visual. Mm, I know. Okay, I appreciate it. So back in 1994, Fortunato became involved in conspiring to kill Sabatini Lombardi through his friendship with a man named Carmine Polito who owned Carmine's Pizza in Astoria, Queens. So Mario Fortunato is BFFs with Carmine Polito, Polito, Pizza, and Carmine's the Gambler. Got it. The chart tracks. Yeah. Carmine Craps, Polito Pizza. Got it. But that's one person, but we can remember everything about him from his name. Love it. Oh, okay. You're right. That is one person. Unfortunately for Pizza Polito slash Craps Carmine, sandwiches. Yeah, he was a compulsive gambler and constantly in debt. And it was common for him to fund his addiction by borrowing money from loan sharks such as Sabatini Lombardi, which mm-hmm. is loaning Lombardi. Got loaning it. Lombardi, and he's a saboteur. He self-sabotages. Self-saboteurs. <laughs> Self-saboteurs. You don't want to be borrowing money to gamble from Italian mafia loan sharks. No, No. you don't. Not a good plan. Not great. Mm -mm. So when Pizza Polito reached out to Bakery Fortunato, he was already $50,000 in debt to Lombardi and $10,000 in debt to Lombardi's cousin, Michael Durso, 
who goes by the nickname Cookie. Got it. <laughs> oh, I oh. see him on the chart. No, okay. No relation. Too many foods. There's too many I know, foods. I know. No re- P- Cookie, no relation to the bakery. Got it. Yeah. Also, his last name, I'm pretty sure, means <laughs> the bear. So his name is literally Cookie the Bear. I, I love that. was also thinking bears with Durso. Durso. Mm-hmm. So both of whom were part of the Genovese family. So this is all kind of within the Genovese family. It's not an inter-family conflict. It's an intra-family conflict. Consult the graph. Yes. Okay. Together, Fortunato and Polito allegedly hatched a plan to take out the two men. They lured them to the San Giuseppe Social Club on Graham Avenue to play an Italian card game called Ladder 40. And can you just fucking picture this? It is so good. Shoots and ladders. Yeah. Shoots and Italian ladders. It's 1994 and everybody is Italian at cafes. Fucking... Shoots and ladders. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shoots and ladders. <laughs> so here, as planned, the group was ambushed in the early hours of the morning by a team of three hitmen who shot and killed Sabatini Lombardi and injured Cookie. Cookie the bear. Okay. Mm-hmm. Immediately after the shootings, Polito and Fortunato ran out of the club along with the hitmen. So they, like... They weren't hurt, and they uh, they fled with the hitmen. Okay. So they organized it. It's pretty fucking clear that they organized it. To get out of his debt. Right. To get Carmine out of his crap's debt. Got it. So the hitmen drove the car. They had arrived into an impound yard in Greenpoint, where they abandoned it. Polito then picked them up and drove them to a diner in Queens for breakfast, which is just... So great. And a quick stop at Kenyon Lang's <laughs> yeah. wedding hashtags Hashtag. and family reunion t shirt and paria. This is very good, fellas. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So, Fortunato, on the other hand, simply walked home from the crime scene. And I checked, and it's roughly a two mile walk from Greenpoint to Williamsburg. Well, he got to cool off. Yeah. And then he got to walk off the cannolis, and then he went to bed. Got it. Fortunato was questioned. Later that same morning, though, by NYPD detectives investigating the shooting. And he told them that he'd been there that night playing Ladders 40, but claimed he'd gone home hours before the shooting occurred and knew nothing about it. Mm-hmm. Hours? It's like Monopoly takes all night? <laughs> I don't know. They're all hanging out. Yeah. But after he learned that Cookie, the bear, had survived the attack, Fortunato admitted to detectives that he had been there the whole night because Mm. the guy who was shot and survived was like, now he was fucking there. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I saw him. Mm -hmm. And changed changed his story to now say that he had not seen the faces of the men who fired the shots. So Fortunato was like, okay, fine, I was there. People came and shot, but like, I don't know who the fuck they were. And then I just ran away because I was scared. Mm Mm-hmm. He would stick with this second story for years, insisting that he had been there but had no idea who shot Lombardi and Cookie or why. In the course of the investigation, Cookie the Bear became a government snitch. Okay. Ooh, Cookie flipped. Cookie flipped. Got to. You got to protect your neck. Mm -hmm. Don't flip your cookies. (laughs) (laughs) Also, he was the victim here of an attempted hit. Yeah. 
like within his own crime family. Mm-hmm. So he probably was like, fuck these people. Sure. Yeah. But not before making two failed attempts on Carmine's life in revenge for the shooting. So Got first to. he tried to get his own revenge. Okay. So Cookie the Bear described to authorities how there had been... Cookie the Bear. <laughs> no, I'm just making it up. I love and Cookie the Bear. <laughs> there had been really bad cute. blood between his family and Mario Fortunato for years. He stated in one interview that, quote, Since I was a kid, I used to watch Mario abuse my father. He'd belittle him at the card table. He'd put a chair next to my father, get on the chair, and fart on his head. Oh, my what? Hey, if it works, it works. Been doing it for years to get what I want. That was the abuse? <laughs> okay. A violent Dutch oven. <laughs> I mean, it would Dutch be, oven. It works for be bakeries. Really, really rude and mean and belittling, you know? Yeah, I mean, he it's probably nasty. is a huge dick. I mean, know? it's gross for sure. But, like, to do it to somebody that you know they can't, like, say anything back to you because you're higher up the ladder's 40 <laughs> than they are in the that's mafia. True. That's, that's like, a really mean fucking thing mm-hmm. to do. <laughs> also, look on the drive. There are photos of Mario Fortunato, and he just looks like, he looks like the Italian male version of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Oh! He just, like, look at this man. He's yeah. so small. His little He's glasses. Cute. His ears are huge. You know what? He looks scarier in the second photo with the cigarette. Yeah. Where he's I'm pointing. S- yeah. I take oh, it back. Yeah. I'm sorry, Mario. Still enormous I'm ears. sorry, oh. I'm sorry, oh. So Cookie the Bear began wearing a hidden recording device in his Rolex, helping the feds gather a massive amount of evidence against the Genovese family. In his Rolex. Mm-hmm. His aid as an informant eventually led to more than 70 arrests, including that of the family boss at the time, a man named Vincent Vachin Gigante. Is it because his chin is Gigante? (laughs) I like the the very literal nickname. Yeah. The chin. The giant chin. I don't know. The chin might, it might be like a, it might not be so literal. Oh, no, he does have quite a chin. Uh, Is he on the drive? No, not yet. I'll add him to the drive. Mm, It might just be like he can take it on the chin. You know, Mm. it might be more like proverbial. I don't know. He's tough. He looks, uh, he looks rough. So anyway, as well as Fortunato and Carmine Polito for the murder of Sabatini Lombardi. By this time, it was 2002, almost a decade after the shooting had taken place. Upon his arrest, Mario Fortunato stuck to his story that he had been there playing cards that night but had not seen who fired the shots. Fortunato finally went to trial in 2003. The shooting took place in 1994. Wow. And Cookie the Bear testified that they had been targeted that night so that Carmine Polito could avoid paying his debts. Both Fortunato and Polito were convicted of the murder in federal court, as well as on various racketeering charges and obstruction of justice. So, like, lying to the FBI. Sure. Mm -hmm. Also, like, standard practice of, like, attempting to influence the testimony of two grand jury witnesses. Like, no That old chestnut. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. (laughs) As you do. 
However, the convictions were overturned on appeal. Of After course. a judge ruled that the case should not have been prosecuted in federal court because the hit on Sabatini. Consult the chart. Consult the chart. Lombardi <laughs> died. The hit on Sabatini Lombardi, which was successful and the attempted one on Cookie, was the result of a personal grudge and not related to a larger organized crime conspiracy. Mm. They were just like, nah, they're just fucking killing each other For over funsies. this personal yeah. debt. Right. But it's not like a... It's not a federal case. Yeah, it's not like an organized crime case. It's just a homicide. Wow. Wow. So the duo was then re-indicted in state court, and this time one of the hitmen also testified at trial. I don't know how they fucking found the hitman. So Anthony Bruno described to the jurors how he, quote, nervously paced back and forth with a thirty-eight tucked into his waist, end quote, trying to work up the courage to carry out the hit that he had been hired for. And when you're trying to when you're trying to carry out a hit, you've been hired by mobsters to kill other mobsters, that's got to be scary. Yeah. Yeah. High pressure situation. Quote, I'm combing my hair in the club's mirror and I just said to myself, "Screw it." I turned around and pulled my gun out and shot Mike, the cookie, in the back of the head. I pulled the trigger and I saw Mike's hair split as the <gasps> bullet went in. Oh, oh, oh. There is a lot of tension on your scalp oh, skin, though. Okay. Yep. Splits easily. Can as we know from the staircase. Much like a drum. It does. It splits like a drum. So prosecutors argued that Carmine Polito had planned the murder, quote, as a means of escaping his gambling debts, whereas Fortunato had helped him in order to, quote, avenge a longstanding grudge just because he didn't like these other two and because he was Carmine's friend. Mm. Ultimately, a jury acquitted Carmine, but Fortunato, who had requested that a judge decide his case instead of a jury, was convicted of second-degree murder for his role in planning and covering up the hit. So that'll okay. show him to help out a friend. Yeah. yeah. Never, Never help, help a friend. A friend. Yep. <laughs> but again, his conviction was overturned on appeal. Dang, Jesus. they just can't keep him. No, he's a slippery little fucker. Yeah. And then... In 2014, Fortunato won a $300,000 settlement from the state of New York after filing a lawsuit claiming that he was unjustly convicted and jailed because he'd spent 22 months in prison between the first conviction and when his second conviction was overturned. Come Jeez. on. So he won three hundred dollars <laughs> He's making Stress money. Yeah. He's making money. Yeah. As the New York Daily News so eloquently put it, bakery owner Fortunato was now, quote, rolling in the cannolis. No. <laughs> oh, God. They're rolled. They're rolled. Yeah, I get it. And rolling. <laughs> did, did, you hear my, did you hear my joke? Did you? <laughs> did, did I cut did, out? Did you? Did you hear it? Did, did you hear it? Ironically, though, Cookie the Bear, who still has bullet fragments in his neck Good from God. the attempt on his life, Stated in an interview after learning of the settlement, quote, I'm shocked. It's a complete disgrace. I lived. My cousin died. My cousin Tino's wife, which I, I guess that's what they called. Car uh, no, Sabatini. God, sorry. So Sabatini went by Tino. Consult mm -hmm. the chart. Look Consult at the, the chart. chart. The chart is extremely helpful. Is it <laughs> I not? Know. It, yeah. is, it is. My cousin Tino's wife, his mother, his children, they went through torture. For them to have to see Fortunato on the street every day, my heart bleeds for them. Yeah. 
And he does. He's just like out. He's pretty famous. Like that bakery is very famous. Mm-hmm. Quote me. I don't give a fuck about him. But for my family, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. To this day, Mario Fortunato continues to own and operate the Fortunato Brothers Bakery. Most recently, the bakery was back in the news in 2015 after a woman named Valerie Williams, who has cerebral palsy and uses a wheelchair, made a short-lived attempt to sue the bakery for failing to comply with the Americans with Disabilities Act by not providing a ramp entrance. You know, that sucks. That might not be a fight worth picking. Well... Williams's lawyer soon dropped the case, however, for fear of mafia retribution. Yeah, that's like so she definitely up. didn't know that this was like a connected bakery. She just right. was like, this place has been around since the 70s. It should have a fucking ramp. Mm-hmm. And it should have a fucking ramp. Yeah, I think that is a fight worth picking. Some well, places are grandfathered in in certain zoning issues and whatever. I'm not saying that it's right. No, you meant it's not a fight worth picking because of the Because of the mafia. Right, exactly. That's what I meant. the personal risk. Mm -hmm. Right. Which is what she also came to decide. So Williams told the Daily News, quote, I used to make a joke about the men standing outside the bakery. I called them the Godfathers. Little did she know. She didn't fucking know. Oh, no. You know, you see a bunch of old Italian men in Brooklyn and you're like, "Ah," you know. Right. Yeah. But actually. But actually, maybe don't sue them. According to one source, the Genovese, some people say Genovese, but I say Genovese. Crime family has retained its power throughout the years by strictly following Omerta, a code of secrecy and non-cooperation with law enforcement. Mm -hmm. Whereas it is somewhat common for mobsters to turn informant, only 10 members of this family, mm-hmm. including Michael the Cookie Cookie the Bear, mm-hmm. have done so in the group's entire known history, Whoa. which stretches back to 1931. The loyalty. Wow. Yeah. The fear. Yeah. The fear. Wow. Yeah. So I love of, a mafia bakery. And then one of the headlines in the post, the New York Post, was Mob Baker killed man for dough. Oh, wow. <laughs> it, it all was over a bunch of dough. Yeah. A so, bunch of dough. So that's my case. Nice. And then there are just like a bunch of pictures of cannoli. <laughs> so really, it's really good. That's amazing. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Nice. Go. A work. Well done. Yeah. Thanks. Oh Maybe yeah, I these photos are do amazing. Want a pastry? Right. Mm-hmm. That the, the display case is really like sending me to the moon with hunger. It's selling. Is that it. a cake surrounded by meatballs? Because I need it to be. Is it? I mean, <gasps> it's not. I think those are like little cinnamon uh, yeah. balls, but they yeah uh, they kind like of rolled in nuts. There uh, was another photo of a cake that was made to look like a pizza, which cute. was very cute. I don't I like the give one them money, love a theme. Well, there's yeah. like a a layered cake with like a green, white, red, like Italian flag mm-hmm. motif. Mm-hmm. Cute. I want a meatball cake. Is it so much to ask for? It's not. <laughs> we will make that happen for you. Maybe we can you. get something like that ordered during this ad break. Okay. <gasps> yes. Let's find you a meatball cake, girl. <laughs> what would you do 
if you didn't have high interest loans or credit card debt. What I wouldn't mean, I do? I'd basically retire is what I would do. <laughs> uh, and maybe I can't qu- get quite there. But with Upstart, you can pay off your existing debt quickly and easily and start living your life. Oh, that's so nice. Upstart is the fast and easy way to pay off your debt with a personal loan all online. You know we love to not leave our houses. Yup. So whether it's paying off credit cards, consolidating high-interest debt, or funding personal expenses, over a million people have used Upstart to get one fixed monthly payment with a clear payoff date. I love it when they send you, like, you just know exactly when it's going to be done. It's just going to be over. Mark your calendars. So rather than looking at credit card score alone, Upstart considers other factors like your income, current employment, and credit history to find you a smarter rate for your loan. You can check your rate without impacting your credit score in minutes for loans between $1,000 to $50,000. Love. Yeah. You can even receive funds in as fast as one business day after accepting your loan. So find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today when you go to upstart.com slash gals. That's upstart.com slash gals. And don't forget to use our URL to let them know we sent you. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit, income, and certain other information provided in your loan application. Upstart.com slash gals and treat your debts. Treat What's your nightly ritual? From tie me up to tuck me in, Ooh. Dipsy Stories is here to close the loop on your bedtime routine, whatever that may be, or to help you create maybe a little exciting little new one. Oh my gosh, I love that. Dipsy Stories is an app full of sexy audio stories, and now they even have brand new written stories. See, this is more up my alley because... My partner is a light sleeper. It's hard for me to like listen to something before bed, but I do love to quietly read mm-hmm. before bed and maybe something a little titillating would be I'm, fun. I'm more into the literature myself. Mm-hmm, to add to my reading list. So no matter who you're into or what turns you on, Dipsy helps bring the stories to life anytime, anywhere. Close your eyes and let yourself get lost in a world where only good things happen and pleasure is your only priority. Explore your fantasies in a safe, shame-free way. I love that. There are hundreds of stories to choose from, and they release new content every week, so there's always more to explore. They also have wellness sessions to help you wind down and explore, and sleep sessions to help you drift off. They have everything. They have everything. So for listeners of this show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash gals. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash G-A-L-S. One more time, that's dipsystories.com slash gals and treat your bedtime. Treat it. So I'm all about that, like, green, eco-friendly life, personally. Mm-hmm. You know, I recycle pretty much everything. I uh, reuse plastic bags. Uh, you know, all that good stuff. Yeah. But it's actually hard to clean clean. Yeah. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, like, all of your cleaning products that you buy, it, they're all in, like, plastic bottles. Mm-hmm. You use it once. You recycle the plastic, which, like... Okay, good. You're recycling. But we could do better. 
Mm-hmm. And you know who's trying to do better with us is Blue Land. I, I'm fully on board with Blue Land. I have Blue Land everything, everything. everything. I recently ordered um, some refills for like my laundry and my dishwasher, and they have toilet bowl tablets now. I love the toilet bowl tablets. I, I mean, it's just, if if you can clean it, they have a, a way for you to clean it. Blue Land was founded on the belief that a cleaner planet starts at home and it's a super simple idea. You buy the bottle or canister, you know, whatever the product it is that you have to hold it in, just the one time, and then you refill it forever. There's no more plastic waste. So from their best-selling Clean Essentials Kit to their hand soap duo, I have that. I have the Clean Essentials Kit. Blue Land offers safe, smart options for every inch of your home. So you just fill Blue Land's beautiful, reusable, Instagrammable bottles. They really are Instagrammable. They're really cute colors. They're also clearly labeled so you know, like, this is my bathroom cleaner. This is my, like, all-surface cleaner. This is my glass cleaner. Like, you know exactly what you're using. It's brilliant. Mm Mm-hmm. You fill them with warm water and then you pop in one of the hand soap or spray cleaner tablets. And within minutes, you have powerful and effective cleaning products in the most incredible sense, like rose, bergamot, (gasps) and lily mint. Your house is going to smell so good. And now Blue Land has teamed up with Disney to create a magical collection of hand soap forever bottles designed with Mickey and Friends whimsical personalities. So it's like you can have these cute ones for the kids' bathroom or if you're like a Disney adult and you love Disney, this is your spot. Yeah. Blue Land's stunning high-quality forever bottles start at just $10 when you buy a kit and are meant to be reused forever with money-saving refill tablets that start at just 2 bucks. I've been using Blue Land for almost a year now. I am spending so much less money when I go to the grocery store because I'm not buying cleaning products. I'm not buying laundry detergent i'm not buying dish detergent dish soap like all of it i'm getting from blue land with these very inexpensive refills so you cut the plastic waste without sacrificing clean and you save so much money get blue land you will love it and the planet will thank you honestly you save space too because i have so many just half empty bottles of stuff Mm -hmm. everywhere So right now you can get 15% off your first order when you go to blueland.com slash gals15. That's 15% off your first order of any products that Blue Land offers at blueland.com slash gals15, G-A-L-S-1-5. One more time, that is blueland.com slash gals15 and treat you clean. Treat it. Are you ready for my case? Maybe. Your cake case. Nobody dies. Cake. So I have that on Kenyon. Yep. But this case. (laughs) Always. This case is wild. I love it (laughs) so much. Excellent. So once again, thank you, Reddit, for revealing this scandalous case of the Collins Street Bakery. And if you know it, just don't say anything. I don't think I know it. I've never heard of it. Okay. So this bakery is located and still very much operational today in Corsicana, Texas. It was established in 1896, and this bakery holds the title of the world's most renowned purveyor of fruitcakes. Oh! My grandma loves fruitcakes. I hate them, so I will never go to this bakery. But the bakery is fine. It's not like your situation, Kenyon, Mm -hmm. where we, like, can't go. We don't want to support that bakery. We can support this bakery. It's fine. Okay. From Wikipedia, quote, fruitcake accounts for 98% of the bakery's total sales. 
The company sells about 3 million pounds of fruitcake each year, which equates to 1.5 million individual cakes. Wow. Holy fucking shit. I always go into bakeries and see all of these like very decadent, elaborate cakes that I would maybe partake in like once a year. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how are you selling all of these every well, single day? Well, fruitcake is not fruit pure. Fruitcake's different. Or also, elaborate. Yeah. According to math, that means that every single fruitcake is two fucking pounds. Fruitcake is dense. Yeah. And we'll kind of get to it. You could break a window with a fruitcake. I'm just Googling fruitcake right now. It's nuts. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah, it's what I thought They're kind of gelatinous almost. uh, Yeah. It's like a weird... Bread almost sometimes. Yes, it's very bready. It also has a lot of salt, which gives them a super long shelf life, which we'll get to. Oh, yeah. So the bakery was one of the early businesses to enter the mail order business. So remember, this was founded Mm. in 1896. Dang. So they were basically early Amazon for fruitcakes. Okay. Because the Ringling Brothers Circus rolled through town in 1914 and loved these cakes so fucking much that, like, Everyone working and running the circus ordered a fuck ton of these cakes to be mailed as Christmas (laughs) gifts to friends and family all over the world. The only two countries they've not shipped cakes (laughs) to are Cuba and Iran. That's it. (laughs) North Korea? I guess it's it's not left out. And back before there were, like, sanctions on any of that shit. Right. They could have done it well before the 50s. Oh, they absolutely did. So, like, if you're going to mail a perishable, especially in the early 1900s, at least a fruitcake. Exactly. A fruitcake has a super (laughs) long shelf life. And, like, ish. I, Mm -hmm. ish. Gross. So this idea expanded in 1947 when the bakery was purchased from its original owners who were German immigrants who came to Texas and opened their cute little bakery. And I cannot make this shit up. The person who bought it is named Lee William McNutt or Bill (laughs) McNutt. (laughs) Bill McNutt owning the fruitcake business. (laughs) Who later appointed his son, Bab McNutt, as president. Bill and Bab McNutt. It's a family oh business. Oh, my God. So Bob became president of the company and Bill McNutt, you know, passed away many, many, many years ago. So they basically launched a direct marketing campaign under Bob McNutt by having employees pull names and numbers from phone books and, like, target potential cake buyers and send them mailers and mm-hmm. make calls and just be like, hey, you you need a fruit cake? They oh, just phone <laughs> books. They just. Yes. <laughs> Random yeah, people. it was before. I mean, yeah. It That's was an old lady name. I'm going to send her a totally. mail. Well, think about it around the holidays where it's like you're one of the early businesses that does direct mail, like shipping gifts. Maybe that's how my grandma Elaine got started on fruitcakes. Honestly, Maybe. I wouldn't she be targeted if Elaine got one of these cakes. Yeah. We should. That's how we should change our almost non-existent marketing <laughs> to just buy old phone books just, and just start cold yeah, calling just, people. Right. Do you like murder? Podcast? It's like a radio show, but, but, on, the but on the internet. Yeah. Is your yeah. name Ashley? There's a good <laughs> chance you listen to our show. Amazing. <laughs> so where was I? Bob, Bob McNutt. McNutt. Yep. Okay. So they <laughs> the interest peaked among customers and this opened up orders by phone, mail, fax. 
Yes, thank God. Before the internet. And then eventually you could order online. When computers and internet became household tools, Collins Street Bakery pioneered the use of computerized databases for like sales, for efficiency in orders and shipments. So like- I bet they had the same people that ordered the, the cakes year after year. Yep. Wow. Well, and it's so funny to think about how like the American online like order database and and structure, a lot of it is like based on what the Collins Street Bakery was doing because they were sort of like the OGs of doing yeah, this. Yeah, somebody you was can- just really organized. Mm-hmm. Now you can get it in a cute little gift box in like a tin. Yeah. I'm, I'm ordering gonna- one for my grandma right cute. now. That's Do it. genius. So the company continued to grow, and in 1998, they hired a bookkeeper by the name of Sandy Jenkins. Sandy was reliable, but quiet, and not necessarily well-liked at his job. Everybody Mm -hmm. was like, Sandy's kind of, like, boring and not fun, but, like, Mm -hmm. his wife is really fun, but, like, he kind of sucks. Also, this banner on the website says, 125 years in the baking. Oh, Oh, cute. That's cute. love college baking. So cute. Okay. But he kept his head down, did his work, and here is an excerpt from the most amazing article ever written. It's like 20,000 pages long about just this case, and it's <laughs> very flowery, and I love it. I get it, flowery. Flowery. And the the article is titled, Just Desserts yes. by Katie Vine. <laughs> yes. Quote, 2004, Sandy had worked at the bakery for six years, or by 2004. He had proved himself a reliable employee. Though he made, or I guess six years wouldn't be right because he was hired in 19. No, that, oh my God. That's math. Ow. Wow. Ow. I'm okay. Ow. 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 Oh, I got math. Oh, if I got math. <laughs> he had proved himself a reliable employee, though he only made $50,000 a year. He That's was having to. Good s- salary. It's yeah. a good salary in 2004. I mean, it's okay. It's fine. But Sandy right. needed more. Yeah. Okay. He was having to save money just to afford the upgraded Lexus he wanted. It all seemed so (laughs) tedious. On most days in the late morning, Sandy would kill time by glancing at the food coverage of the Dallas Morning News. But that day in December 2004 wasn't like other days. Just before lunch, as he sat with the computerized checkbook program open in front of him, he began to daydream again. What if there were a quicker way to afford that Lexus? Mm-hmm. He stared at his computer screen at the blank spaces on the checks. Didn't he deserve better? Oh, no. Don't butter. Em- butter. Don't, don't embezzle, Sandy. Not from the fruitcake. Too late. So oh, they longed no. for a life well beyond the meager 50K a year. Sandy's wife, Kay, did her best to spruce up their home on a budget with particular attention paid to her beloved garden and entertaining guests with her excellent gourmet cooking. Her gardening was so stellar, she'd won Corsicana Yard of the Month many times. Oh, wow. Sandy also liked the finer things, especially fashion. He'd won most fashionable in his senior yearbook, and yes, there is a photo on the drive. Oh! And always liked to be dressed in the best suits. He'd never Ooh. dreamed. He looks like my dad in high school. He really like does. The same glasses, yeah. like this kind of. I mean, my dad was a little more plump. God and bless. And a little hair swoop, tiny little swirl of hair. He's holding up like a very shiny like a shirt. leather shirt. <laughs> yeah, a leather shirt. It's, he's not wearing the leather shirt. He's just holding it excitably. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. 
So he never dreamed of becoming an accountant. In fact, his dream as a child was to work as a funeral home director. Yes! Mm-hmm. But not for the reasons that Lucy dreamed of. Mm. A, oh. a distant rel- relative owned a funeral home in Hot Springs, Arkansas, and as a child, he had visited and he'd revel in the lavish interior decor. Oh my God. So he liked a gaudy curtain. He loved, yes. He like specifically remembers like touching yeah. the thick curtains and just like falling in love yeah. with the decor of this How do you know that's home. not the reason he, I he loved for. a gold Because I've known you for 25 years. Yeah, exactly. Tassel. It's really it's quiet. Everything's carpeted. Mahogany. Mm-hmm. Silk flowers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get I'm a there. lot of talk back from your co-workers. Brass adornments. Yeah. Yes. Skip the chair right yeah. No sunlight. Yeah. yeah. So his father did, discouraged did this it? dream and he graduated <laughs> college with a degree in business administration. When Sandy was hired by Collins Street Bakery, he was thrilled. This place was an institution and known the world over for selling, quote, the Cadillac of fruitcakes. Oh, my God. You're making me want to try a fruitcake, even though I know it's disgusting. I, You know it's disgusting. Yeah. It's the Cadillac of fruitcakes is still a fruitcake. <laughs> he, he admired the McNuts for their business acumen and wanted to do well at his job, which he absolutely did. So again, from just desserts. <laughs> Sandy helped the bakery transition from a manual accounting system to a computerized one. And by 2000, he had been promoted to corporate controller. Scott, his supervisor, was a fellow member of First Baptist who enjoyed Sandy's company and was pleased with the job Sandy was doing. Sandy was never late running the payroll, and he always kept the taxes current. Quote, the specific task you gave him got done and got done timely, Scott said. Sandy did it all without complaint. Only Kay, once in a while, would grumble about the bakery, telling Sandy and Scott that Bob McNutt doesn't pay y'all enough. Oh, so Kay was Lady Macbeth. Mm. Lady (laughs) McNutt. Yeah, she wanted that Lexus. She was turning the head. They both were in cahoots Mm -hmm. for sure on these Mm -hmm. dreams. Wow. Also, you just can't trust a Lexus person. You Mm. really can't. It's tough. My dad was a Lexus person for a while, though. Mm. You can trust him. He's dead. Was your dad this man? (laughs) No, I wouldn't. Did your dad fake his death to get out of this lawsuit? I would be thrilled if that were the case. <laughs> Sandy and Kay dreamed of being part of the Carsicana elite, members of the country club, drivers of a new Lexus, and they just weren't going to get there on 50K a year. Mm. So in December of 2004, Sandy hatched a plan that he felt was just, considering he was working what he saw as the equivalent of three jobs worth of work for one company and being paid peanuts. Literally was Kay, everyone is. I know. Was Kay Welcome working? Welcome to capitalism. She was working okay. until, on her garden. Uh, no, she, I don't remember exactly what she did, but also on her garden, but she did quit her job shortly after this began. Oh, so okay. 50K was not their household income. No, but I don't think she made very much. I don't they think weren't she was like, satisfied. right. Okay. It was not okay. like a hundred thousand dollar a year household by any stretch. Okay. So he dipped into the company's petty cash to fund Christmas that year. The anxiety was palpable. Every day he went to work thinking that would be the day his supervisor would burst into his office demanding to know where the funds had gone. But that burst never came. That is so fucked up. Uh Uh-huh. And this emboldened Sandy. He started cooking the books, cutting himself fraudulent checks from the business. Would you say baking the books? (laughs) Baking the books. And skimming off the top. 
Within a few weeks, he was driving to work in an upgraded Lexus. But it was still a used car, so as not to raise too much suspicion, but all, like still a massive upgrade. This quiet man would roll to work blasting Barbara Streisand in his new Lexus. He was okay, living. literally is your dad. He was living my best life. And <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> he is my dad. Don't mm-hmm. tell me not to laugh, just send butter. Life's fruit cake and the sun's a ball of butter. Oh, God bless him. <laughs> so here's how the scam worked. He would type out a check in the system for the amount he needed payable to whatever account he needed to pay off. So like his city card, for example. Quote, the software automatically signed the check, Bob McNutt. Sandy printed that check, but voided it in the system and then mailed it. Then, to cover his tracks, he typed the next check payable to a legitimate bakery vendor for the same amount, but never mailed that check. Once Sandy was sure that nobody had noticed the first fraudulent check, he tried it again, and Mm -hmm. again, and again. So the numbers would be, the numbers in their system would be correlated to legit vendors, Mm -hmm. but they weren't actually the ones being paid. Well, yeah, those vendors weren't getting any money because they weren't owed any money. Correct. Genius. Yeah. This is genius. Well, I'm shocked. I mean, it worked for a while. Yeah, it's <laughs> pretty classic. Each time Sandy would repeat the scheme, pairing his fraudulent check with one that appeared legitimate, someone would have to closely examine the checks to see any discrepancies, and that seemed unlikely, end quote, mostly because that's his job is to closely examine the checks and for And when you work for a small, like, family-run business, I mean, this you know wasn't that all that small at this point, but he'd been working there for a while and doing it's a lot of It's yeah. not a corporation. Right, right. It's, you know, whatever. It's and, not Amazon. Right. And yeah. you don't, yeah, you're you're the finances department. Mm-hmm. You, They're you just going to trust you. You don't have, like, an outside firm. Listen, Omar like, could be embezzling up the ass, and right. I wouldn't even know. I'd we be like, never know. We would never know. But, but actually, you got this. she deserves it. She deserves I it. I know. I'm not We'd even mad. would be fine with it. <laughs> <laughs> Take it out of petty cash, which mm-hmm, doesn't exist. It's fine. We don't have petty cash, but yeah. But actually, so my mom worked for many, many years for a graphic design company, just like mm. a small graphic design company, I think at their biggest... It, it was a couple who owned it. Mm-hmm. And then I think at their largest, they had like three employees. So a small business, whatever. She worked for them for many years. The bookkeeper before her mm-hmm. embezzled like $30,000 from them. Wow. That Whoa. sucks. Over the course of like a couple years. Mm-hmm. And they didn't notice. Did she find it? No. Somehow mm. they found it before they hired oh, my mom okay. to replace this woman. But they ended up spending more than she had stolen from them trying to prosecute her. And this bitch, actually, it all fucking circles back. This bitch used the money to open a A fruitcake bakery, coffee shop slash bakery in Mound. Oh, my God. Well, Mm -hmm. give us the details off air so we can. I think eventually she was convicted, but then, like, you know, she never. She never really paid up the full well, amount. Well, I mean, and we'll kind of get to it, but like, even when embezzlement is super out of control, which we're about to get to, like, mm-hmm. the actual, like, federal consequences are meh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this went on for years, and Sandy and Kay were fucking living. <laughs> this is a rundown of the shit they were paying for with embezzled cash from FBI.gov. And there's like so much more that's not listed here, but. 
Quote, according to documents filed in the case and evidence proffered at the sentencing hearing, beginning at least as early as December 2004 and continuing until his termination from the bakery, which wasn't until like 2013. So we've been doing Whoa, it almost 10 it years. Long time. Shit. Sandy Jenkins engaged in a massive scheme to defraud the bakery. During that time, he embezzled more than $16 million from the bakery. No, and that's a and lot of fruit cake. That's a lot of fucking fruit wow, cake. Wow, that's a very successful business. Right? Jesus. Yeah, that they didn't really notice until. Uh, I mean, we'll get to it. How but much could yeah. a fruitcake cost, Michael? $10. $29.99. Jeez. But they're on sale from $32.99. Ooh. $95, sorry. Got it. So, he and his wife, Kay Jenkins, used that money to bankroll a lavish lifestyle. The government introduced evidence at sentencing identifying the 223 trips on private jets, as well as the locations of those trips, primarily Santa Fe, uh, Santa Fe, New Mexico, Aspen, Colorado, and Napa, California, but there were other places. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. With a total cost that exceeded, for the trips alone, $3.3 million. Holy fucking shit. While chartering private jets is not cheap. The government also showed at sentencing that the Jenkins purchased 38 vehicles over the course of the scheme. So in like nine years, including many Lexus, including many Lexus (laughs) automobiles, a Mercedes Benz, a Bentley and a Porsche. According to we'll get to it. We'll get to it. You can't drive those to work. We'll get to it. Jesus. According to evidence proffered at sentencing, Sandy Jenkins and Kay Jenkins purchased a new automobile every time they needed an oil change. Some people just shouldn't be rich. <laughs> or, yeah, I I can't. The government, you're going to get away with this. I wish I could just buy a new car every time I needed an oil change. Right? The government further established at sentencing that the Jenkins spent over $11 million on their Black American Express card alone and roughly $98,000 per month over the course of the scheme for a couple that had a legitimate income through the bakery of approximately $50,000 per year. How did the IRS not nail well, them? I mean, I think it, I think that that process is slow, really. And when it's like cash was going directly from the bakery to these purchases, Still. like it wasn't going through his bank Were they accounts. living in their same little house? I think so, yeah. Because trying to get, and like, going a different out a house, trips. more people would notice. They bought a, a house in another, like, con- like not country, part of the country, like, I think in California to vacation at. But they didn't, they didn't upgrade, like, their house. So the evidence at sentencing also Jesus. established that a significant portion of stolen funds, approximately $1.2 million, is my favorite part, were spent at Neiman Marcus at North Park in Dallas, where Sandy Jenkins and Kay Jenkins had nicknames Fruitcake and Cupcake, respectively. So he was Fruitcake and she was Cupcake to the staff at Neiman Marcus. That's how often they went in. I'm sorry. If someone just came up and called me Fruitcake. Well, I mean, I'm sure they established a relationship knowing that he worked for this Fruitcake company. And that's where the... He probably was like, I'm the Fruitcake King of Dallas. Yeah, the Fruitcake King. Not the bookkeeper for the Fruitcake King. Bob McNutt. The, the government further... Put some respect on his name. Put The government further proffered evidence at sentencing that the Jenkins stopped shopping at Neiman Marcus when Neiman's ran out of things to sell them. <laughs> I hate it when that happens. <laughs> if I had a dollar. Oh, my 
god. I love so it so much. Weird. It's absurd. It's absurd. <laughs> Why is there a movie about these people? Actually, there is. Yes. I have I'm to look up what it's it called, but, it, but there is a movie. I didn't include it, but there is one. I'm going to Google it right now. So he would lie to friends and coworkers about deals he got on his clothes or said they were from Walmart. LOL. Okay. When that lie started to fall apart, Sandy and Kay told people that they had come into a bounty of money through a death in the family. And to explain mm. away the different cars constantly, he told folks that he was, quote, a car trader. I get new cars and I'm able to flip them. I'm probably paying less than you are getting a new car every five, six months. Oh, my God. That's not how cars work. Cars no, are a not. depreciating asset. Yeah. You can't flip a car. Right. First of all, Will Ferrell has something to do with this movie, and the movie is called Fruitcake. Yes! Oh, yeah. Okay, well, we need to watch that. Oh, he yeah. explained away the private jet rides by saying he had a wealthy cousin who was allowing him access to these luxuries. Well, aren't you just a, a lucky little nut? Yeah. It's Man- on Prime. It's on Prime. Thank God. I'm watching it later. Meanwhile, Bob McNutt was scratching his butt over why the company wasn't making more money year after year as they consistently continued to grow their sales. Sort of like, we should be turning a way bigger profit than this What's going on. You gotta have a rough idea of your company's own numbers. Mm -hmm. Quote, it doesn't make sense, Scott Hayden would tell Bob. So I think Scott is the one who was the supervisor of Sandy and also worked in the accounting department. We're doing something wrong. They'd finish each, fish, finish each fiscal year and say it slipped through our hands again. Some years they could blame the economy like anybody else. Other years they had no excuse. They examined their expenses, labor, the price of ingredients, and even the inventory of ingredients as if somebody were stealing the cherries or pecans to make a million fruitcakes at home. And that <laughs> could like account for it. Oh, my God. Obviously, that was not it. <laughs> they audited the payroll. Nothing came of their efforts. But obviously, like, Sandy's probably helping them do yeah, he knows a lot to hide of this. It. Yeah, a lot of this searching. So Hayden said, quote, we did this over years trying to pinpoint what the problem was. And then if it's the same, you know, roughly the same stolen as the previous year, it's mm-hmm. not a glaring difference. Exactly. It's like, oh, our losses were about the same X amount of years through. Dang so, it. I'm wrong. Fruitcake is a different movie, but the one that's on Prime, but this one is also called Fruitcake. Great. It's in pre-production, and it stars Will Ferrell as Sandy and Julianne Moore as Kay. Thank God. Oh, I'm so happy. So it's not out yet. Oh, my God. I'm so excited about this. We're going to have to keep, we're going to have to clock that. We need to know. So it wasn't until 2013 when the bakery hired a new member of the accounting team that Sandy was finally busted. I'm so sure basically, he was like, we don't need any more help. No, I we're good. <laughs> basically, they hired Elizabeth. Yeah, my mom would have gotten to the bottom of that. Yeah, way and up. I didn't see this woman's name oh, in the articles <laughs> that I looked at, so I'm just referring to her as Elizabeth. Okay. okay. So she shows up in his office doorway one morning and says she is going over the books and she found a check made out to Capital One that didn't make sense. Like, we don't have a Capital One account. Why is Mm -hmm. there a check just made out to Capital One? Sandy, there's a discrepancy with this check. Can you help me understand this? She asked. Mm. He starts to sweat, says he'll fix it. (laughs) But she had a gut feeling that something was wrong. Mm. She waited for him to go off campus for lunch 
and then started digging into the system. And lo and behold, she found a pattern hiding in the voided check register. Mm-hmm. So she racked up enough evidence of Sandy's embezzlement to take to his supervisor, Scott, because she didn't want to go to Scott right away because, like, Scott and Sandy are friends and their families right. were spending a lot of time together. And she's mm-hmm. brand new. And she's a fucking woman. <gasps> oh. So, and all the way, finally she had enough evidence where she was like, Scott, this is not right. And then they took it up Bob's McNutt. So the next day, (laughs) Sandy was fired and the FBI was contacted and confirmed what Sandy had been up to for almost 10 years. And there's a photo on the drive of the FBI just like at Sandy's door talking to him. I think it's labeled Sandy busted. Oh, look at his face. Look at his eyes. Look at his cargo shorts. Look at all his hair. Busted. Oh, That's a nice house. That's a new house. They bought that house with the stolen money. Their That's home not a is beautiful. A year I house. mean, it's also Texas. Texas. Yeah. Which, That's a gorgeous home. Yeah. Also, I can't get over his hair. I know. He's it's a lot. Straight across. <laughs> well, it used to be curly and he would straighten it because he wanted to look like Bill Clinton. <laughs> he like spent money having his hair relaxed so he could look like Bill Clinton. There are so many details I couldn't include because this was already really long. I can't wait for this Will Ferrell movie. He's a, this guy is fucking unbelievable. I'm he's so over the top. I love him. Oh my god. So again from fbi.gov, quote, based on the evidence as sentencing, the court determined that the total loss as a result of Sandy Jenkins' offense was $16,766,645.70. And most of that they can't get back because it was spent on vacations and cars. Oh, we'll get to it. Private jet fuel. mm -hmm, Through the efforts of law enforcement in this case, the government recovered approximately $4 in property and cash, like liquid assets. And they did an estate sale. There's another photo that I didn't include that was just like a line around the block of all these people going to this fucking estate sale. Because it was Uh, also like talk of the town. Be oh, there. I'd be oh, tailgating yeah. that. I'd I would have up a tent. Before 8:30 a.m. I'd, I'd be camping. I'd have a tent on mm-hmm. the lawn. Yeah. It's like the a newest Apple advance. iPhone release. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so they took they recovered that four million in property and cash that will be turned over to the bakery as partial restitution for the losses suffered in this case. That includes the following. Four vehicles, including a 2005 Lexus SC, a 2010 Mercedes-Benz CL550. A 2013 GMC Yukon Denali. And what a tw- color are they? I, I don't, don't care. No clue. <laughs> and a 2013 BMW X53 having an approximate value of $150,000. Damn. 532 luxury items, including 41 bracelets, 15 pairs of cufflinks, 21 pairs of earrings, 16 furs, 61 handbags, 45 necklaces, nine sets of pearls, 55 rings, and 95 watches. Having Five an appro- golden rings. Who having needs that many watches? I mean, Who needs 98. that many any of this crap? Don't you think you'd hit a wall? I, or sets I, of pearls? That's a lot. They all look the same. So the value of the jewelry and stuff was about $3.5 million. They also had $580,754.90 in cash. A wine collection having an approximate value of fifty thousand dollars, and a Steinway electric piano valued at fifty-eight thousand five hundred dollars. Wow! As a result of the turnover of the property, the court ordered restitution jointly and sever uh, and severally for Sandy and Kay Jenkins in the amount of twelve million six hundred ninety-seven thousand nine hundred twenty-one dollars and seventy-nine cents to be paid to the bakery yeah, over time. They're-, they're never going to be able to pay it. No. no. Sandy Jenkins was sentenced by U.S. District Court Judge 
Ed Kincaid to serve a total of 120 months in federal prison. Judge Kincaid sentenced Kay Jenkins to five years probation. Kay got off easy. She got off real easy. Mm -hmm. She was further ordered to complete 100 hours of community service and to submit a formal apology in writing to the bakery. So basically, you need to have your spouse embezzle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then spend it all on trips and stuff that you can't give back. Right. Yes. Spend it on experiences. Right. Serve your time. Yeah, serve your time and then, you know, don't embezzle yeah. again and retire quietly mm-hmm. out of the limelight. There's yeah. your playbook right there. That's how you pay for trips. That's how you freaking do it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Anyway, wow. that is my case. Wow, that's a good one. Isn't it amazing? Wow. I loved, I loved it, it so much. I love Sandy. I'm People so excited are so for this movie. Greedy. I, just I know. Can't get over it. I just if feel he like had just like gotten his shit together just, and kept it modest, he could have he could have retired. No one would yeah. fucking know. Yeah, mm-hmm. they no never one. Victimless know. crime. But he There's got greedy. Know. There's no way to know. He got fucking greedy. There's no way to know. They're gonna change know. his car every Don't time he needed an oil change. Mm-hmm. Go to and Jiffy Lube. Go to That's Jiffy the Lube. most egregious. Part I, I think. know it's absurd. It's too much. That's too much. Wow. But hire well, Elizabeth if you are, need an account. Because yeah, <laughs> she would have found this in a heart. Oh, she would have found it first first morning at the job. A she would have been like, percent. uh, this. She would have had the whole forensic accounting case. Built. Yeah, something does not smell right. Oh my God. Well, thank you to our fan picker, Sasha Anderson. I promise yes. you that we are using your donation funds much more wisely mm-hmm. than the I'm folks still in driving case. a 2016 Subaru. So. I drive a Kia <laughs> We're and good. it does need an oil change. Oh, get a new car. <laughs> Head to the dealership. Get, toss her out. We'll see you next week. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to Wine and Crime. Our cover art is by Kala Yip. Music by Phil Young and Corey Wendell. Editing by Jonathan Camp. Check out our website and blog at wineandcrimepodcast.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at wineandcrimepod. If you have questions, answers, or recommendations to share, email us at wineandcrimepodcast at gmail.com. Episodes are available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, basically wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And if you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. It is the best way to spread the word. If you'd like to show your support, visit our Patreon page to keep this podcast and the wine flowing. Cheers! Cheers!